Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. You are listening to Season 1, Episode 19 of Let's Talk Hemp in the 422. I'm your co-host, Morris Beagle, hanging out with my partner in hemp spirit, Rick Trojan. And here at the 422, every day is Earth Day. Today's episode, we will have our post-Kayafest wrap-up and other California happenings, and we'll get Hoban Law Group Senior Attorney Patrick Goggin on the phone to discuss the recent Ninth Circuit Court decision that didn't go in favor of the hemp industry but effectively does nothing more than re-emphasize the fact that we have to pass federal legislation to clarify the DEA and federal agency nonsense that continues to persist. And when these things happen, the media often reports bad information, and that misinforms the industry, the public, and government officials and legislators. And that was certainly the case in the last few days, and we'll get into that discussion in just a bit. I just got back from 12 days in California, and Rick is still out there, so let me get him on the phone, and we'll get episode 19 rolling. What's up? I uh, just merged you in. You said you had a job? No. A friend here um, had asked if that was my bus outside, because I'm always wearing my hemp scarf, and she goes, oh, is that a bus? Or, yeah. She was just sort of, I go, no, I just, I'm just helping to educate. If people only knew, I'm like, if they all knew, then I wouldn't have a job. Which is true. I don't know what I would do if I didn't teach people to stop being dumb. Yep. I don't know what you right? Like, it's not simple. I don't know what I would do. What would you do, Morris? What would I do if I wasn't out teaching people not to be dumb? No, just to stop being dumb. Oh. I don't know. I would just hang on the beach you, for a while. i do look like calligraphy. Or like knitting. Quilting would be good for you. No, quilting's fucking lame. I do knitting. Oh, quilting is knitting. I think. <laughs> Stop being My dumb. mom used to knit Afghans when I was a kid. And I was like, I don't understand why you would give a blanket with a bunch of holes in it. But then it's actually kind of warm. But I think it was just placebo. It was like Dumbo's feather. It could be. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally like looking at my food. It's avocado and tomato and cucumber sandwich with lettuce. Where are you at right now? I'm in Westlake Village, North L.A. Down the street, I used to run 15 miles. I used to bike 60 miles. So instead, my fat ass is having a vegetarian sandwich and just enjoying that. I mean, eventually. And you've got your soul hustle thing going on this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big deal. We got our gel caps are coming in tomorrow. We just got we got 100 gel caps. And we got with 30 bottles, and we got uh, 25 with with one one week's worth. And you're going to have a kickoff party with some hemp pasta. Is that correct? Hemp pasta and bread. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the hemp pasta. We were together last week. We did the obviously San Diego and Earth Day, and then we just did Kaya Fest. Then we also hooked up in what well, was Garden Grove for the hemp pasta factory, and then we went to Huntington Beach for the restaurant. Tell us a little bit about the hemp pasta thing, bro. How sick was that? I mean, it was, it was these people literally brought in. They've been for two years perfecting the recipe to make. They made all hemp pasta at one point, which is super hard to, like, just not to digest, but super hard on your machinery. They've now developed a, a, a proprietary blend that actually is hemp and, and other uh, type pasta that actually is good for ravioli. We made, what did we make? Parpardelli, penne pasta. We made bread. Coach got to, like, do, Coach was a sourdough bread baker when he was a kid, like, like, pre my, like, 20s. It's so, like 300 years ago, Coach made bread in, like, a stone thing, probably, actually. It was only like 40 years ago. But anyways, he, it was amazing. I mean, he got to make, he got to make sourdough bread and he tried it. 
and he was like, this is the best bread he's ever had that had hemp in it, which was amazing, sourdough bread. Seven grain sourdough bread from Canada Farms. It was amazing. So they prof- they've they made it delicious. And you tried it. What do you, what do you think of all the pasta? Honestly, out of all the food that I ate on the trip, and you know how much I fucking love San Diego fish tacos. Yeah. First, first off, I was, I'm going to say somewhat disappointed in the fish tacos I had in San Diego. I probably had them five or six times when I was there. And I had a couple that were really pretty good, but not the best I've ever had. And then I had some that were like mediocre. All that so said. Bro, the, you, no, dude, the, you, 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 I'm sorry, but I'm just going to call you on this one. You missed, you missed Wednesday, like a champion. Like it was a super, super epic miss. Like, I understand you had to go up to, to do your thing up in, up north and at Huntington or Dana Point or whatever. It's beautiful, but lobster tacos at world famous in Pacific Beach. I went there all the time in college. I went there this last week with coach and company who's vegan or whatever. And I had three lobster tacos. And not only that, I ordered a whole other lobster. And by the way, I'm usually vegetarian, but like I chowed like $40 of lobster. It was so good. And you, I would have liked for you to enjoy it with us, but next time we'll do it. Okay. Well, again, all that said, for the 12 days in Cali, the best meal, the best food, in my opinion, of the entire trip was the hemp pasta. And the way we were treated, they did it right. Chef Johnny kicked ass. All the food was great. The whole thing, the experience, I loved it. So thumbs up to those guys. Well, dude, we made our own food, which was crazy. We got to make our own pasta with our hands. It's just crazy. Yeah, I thought it was super cool. And I, you know, I, I could tell that they've obviously worked on their recipes and stuff because for Italian food, and I love Italian food, I mean, that was like right up there as good as I've had. It was really, really good all the way around. Very impressed. It was amazing. And what I think was also amazing is you and I just had to be videographers and we realized between our fights, like, oh, he needs to get in there. He's like, I'm in there. And we realized that we're not, first of all, we don't work well trying to videographer each other. And secondly, we need someone that knows what they're doing. And that's obviously not me. Yeah. I, I tell you what, me taking direction from you as a camera guy and you being the producer and, hey, get in there closer. It's like, dude, here, take work. the fucking camera. You take it no. and you video whatever the hell you want to video. Well, that's exactly what happened because obviously it didn't work. We don't, I'm not a producer. <laughs> I'm not a camera person. You're not a fucking camera person. So we're good. We're, we know our limitations in those. I mean, for me, it's mostly everything. But for you, it was definitely <laughs> camera. Exactly. Right. Which was fine, but it was still fun. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So we got the, the pasta thing and you've got those guys are doing your soul hustle kickoff party this weekend with all the food. Yeah. So we're doing, we're doing a whole hemp for health party. Like, so right. Health, H-E-M-P, health is the first and foremost piece of it. Right. Health for our environment, health for ourselves, but health for athletes is a big deal because athletes perform at such a high level. Having cannabis as a food source has the best like a 369 ratio as, as well as all of your essential amino acids and all the pro, has more protein than beef or salmon or any of really any other meat product uh, in the world. And so using him for health is a natural and it's easily digestible plant protein. So it's, it's a natural fit for athletes, but then adding on top of that cannabinoid based dietary supplements like tinctures and topicals and gel caps is exactly what Soul Hustle does. So other companies do it as well, but Soul Hustle is specifically focused on sun, sand, and surf sports. Uh, Emily Stockman won, won Thailand gold two weeks ago in Thailand, obviously, uh, with the FIVB tournament. So really got a good good source, good group of people, and it's a good it's a good uh, addition to help athletes 
really perform and recover at, at the optimal level. So really excited about that. And we'll be launching that with uh, hemp food at the Canapa Bistro in Huntington Beach next week. Well, if I was in California for another week, turn it into three weeks and I'd be there. But 12 days was, I think, about the max that I could handle. Well, I mean, that was a lot. And obviously, you're, like you had, you know, your own stuff going on with our hemp cow and true free hemp and all that stuff, which was super exciting. And we had the hemp road trip stuff going and we intersected at points and it was great. And um, I'm excited to do the same thing in Europe a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Let's jump into KayaFest real quick. So we did our KayaFest episode last week. We had Preston on. And then on Friday, we got together for education before recreation at the Doubletree in San Bernardino. Had several speakers there from our tribe, so to speak. We had Ari Sherman. We had Danny Billings. We got to do a panel, me and you and Doug Fine and Dan Hare that Coach actually captured and is going to put out on his show, The iHemp Revolution, as a podcast. And that panel came out really good. We had fun up there, and I thought that it flowed well. Absolutely. I mean, and it was always it's an honor for me as you know, as a kid with a bus to have uh, to be able to share the stage with you, who's the largest hemp, uh, event producer in North America, uh, Doug, a best-selling author and filmmaker and, and, and hemp farmer, and then Dan, who is doing his own thing and building on what he's done for his, with, with his father, with Jack. Uh, it was a true honor to be able to share the stage with all of you guys. So it was, it was, it was great. It was great to meet an amazing group of people and, uh, and really share, uh, share the love and the education of, of what Kaya is all about. Yeah. And the festival throughout the weekend, Saturday was just packed and off the hook and Sunday, a little bit lighter crowd, but the, the vibe was really good out there. And that whole Kaya thing was definitely floating around and just really connecting with the plant and the planet and, in the the culture, in the idealism, Ross Afari or Asari? Ross Afari, you... yep. No, the 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 speaker oh, Ross, guys. Ross, Ross, yeah, Ross the fourth, who used to, who was the like, yeah, who was yeah. part of Marley's. I mean, I was literally sitting in Rena Marley's, Bob Marley's wife's seat, and one of the one of the three whalers from the start. Like I was sitting in her seat accidentally, but that's just how I roll, so it ended up working out fantastically, but. Um, it was amazing. It was a great experience, and, and thanks to Preston and Saba and the whole Kaya group for making it happen. We got we got all access passes, and we got to go out and see some amazing hemp packaging that's being done uh, as well. Which we're super I'm super excited about the hemp pulp and bringing hemp manufacturing from a paper standpoint domestic, which we're going to be doing this year with Colorado Hemp Company and and others. But uh, it's I mean it was just such a it was such a very powerful weekend, and, and the music was amazing, and we were. I mean, we were right there the whole time, man. It was such a great experience and such an honor to be involved with, with that sort of uh, high-level production. Yeah, it was really cool. And I think that they've got a really good thing going with Kaya Fest and being able to make it a moving festival and maybe multiple festivals a year and bringing in the education component. And I think that there's really good potential in that model and it can reach a lot of people. Yeah, and I think, and, and then partnering up with the expertise that you have there at Colorado Hemp Co. and what you've done with NoCo and the upcoming Southern Hemp Expo, I, th- I think there's a lot of areas of overlap and a lot of areas to collaborate. So I'm excited for the future of, of both organizations, and I'm just happy to be able to drive my bus into, into all of it. You got to keep driving the bus, baby. Drive that bus. Toot, toot, brother. Toot, toot. Well, hey, on that note, let's uh, get Patrick on the phone here and talk about the Ninth Circuit Court, the DEA, and kind of what's happening with the ruling that just came down. 
lots to go over, lots of misinformation out there from our own, you know, from people in this space as well. They just don't understand the ruling. So let's let's have Patrick help clarify some of that stuff. Sounds good. We'll get him on the phone. All right, bud. And welcome back to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422. This week we have Patrick Doggins, senior attorney from the Hoban Law Group and board member of Vote Hemp. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Good to be here, Morris. So, Patrick, we had the recent ruling come down from the Ninth Circuit Courts on the marijuana extract petition, HIA and uh, parties against the DEA, essentially um, contesting the fact that the DEA created a marijuana extract classification. Um, we felt as an industry that that was not that was outside the scope of their their authority and their jurisdiction, and asked that that you know that be uh, rejected. And the court came down denying the petition of the HIA. You were one of the lead attorneys on that with the Hoban Law Group, and you've fought the DEA multiple times and won previously with Vote Hemp and another organization. So give us kind of a rundown of the decision and um, kind of a layout of, of how things changed, if at all, since that decision came down from your perspective. So, Rick, it was somewhat disappointing uh, decision. We, we felt that the court, seeing the issues on the ground and large misguidance, uh, that the DEA has engaged in both on hemp and uh, on this rule that, that we would, and, and the farm bill's uh, hemp amendment, that, that the court would give more guidance and direction. That said, there, is, uh, there are some things to take away from this decision. First, it, it ruled uh, and it denied the petition based on procedural standing grounds. It, it held that because none of the petitioners commented back in 2011 when this rule was initially, and that the commenters that, that we did cite uh, did from the court's perspective did not address the issues that we raised, that, that we were precluded uh, from bringing the petition. That said, there, there's, a, there's a pretty interesting element within the memorandum, and that is they did get to, at least in part, to the substance of the appeal, and that is they held that essentially that the rule it can coexist and is actually preempted by farm bills, hemp research amendment. Unfortunately, what the court didn't do is, is get into describing the, what, what is and is not allowed for under that amendment to provide more guidance on the ground to federal agencies and state agencies out there. So what we're not going to get here is guidance. We didn't get guidance here. And for, for all practical purposes, I think we sit here today the same place we sat last week, except for the fact that the court has held that the Farm, Bill, Farm Bill's Hemp Amendment preempts the rule and sits outside of the CSA. But then they also identify that this, this particular decision not to set a precedent and actually was not even for public, public review, correct? Well, no, the court... The courts often issue uh, unpublished decisions. There's, there's some devils in the detail there, and that this uh, decision 
can be cited within this circuit, within the Ninth Circuit. Um, and, and while it's, you know, quote unquote, non-precedential, it, it will carry, uh, some authority, albeit not full-blown authority. So the fact, yes, the fact that they deny the petition is not a good result. And we're looking at our, uh, options on, uh, either rehearing or, or appeal. But again, we did get some, some, uh, guidance out of this and, uh, we will be able to point to that. Um, are we going to be able to use it in the court of law throughout the rest of the country? No, but it will still be you know, somewhat persuasive when folks point to it. Okay, here's some questions for you. So when this was initially announced, information came out in the media, and I'm going to cite the hemp industry daily that released the first piece, and it says hemp industry loses case against DEA as federal appeals court says CBD, a controlled substance. Now, did the federal, did this court actually say that this is a controlled substance and that hemp-derived CBD is a controlled substance? Is that true? It, it, the court did not say that. The okay. court upheld the rule, but in the same breath, it said that Farm Bill, let's take a step back, activity under the Farm Bill's hemp research is lawful and sits outside of the controlled substances. If folks are working and as a part of a, a hemp pilot program or uh, research at a university, an institution of higher education, and uh, products are derived therefrom that are extracts and they're done in a compliant manner with the Farm Bill, then that sits outside the CSA. So, and, and that being the Controlled Substances Act. So I would uh, conclude that those bright line statements just aren't accurate. Okay. Well, I've got a couple more here for you. Yeah. So we're going to go into the way the article starts off here. A federal appeals court sided with the Drug Enforcement Administration and upheld its decision that CBD is a Schedule One controlled substance a major setback for the American hemp industry. Do you think that that is a true statement or a false statement? I I would say that it's not a it's it's not a complete statement. Okay. Hemp extracts, which include CBD, that are produced in in compliance with the Farm Bill's hemp amendment, as ruled by this court, are lawful. What about now? Here's here's a here's a curveball. What about hemp from what about hemp from high THC cannabis that's regulated by the states like Colorado and California? Is that CBD that comes from that plant exempt from the Controlled Substances Act or not? You know, when I was playing baseball, I didn't like curveballs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll call this a slider. I didn't like. I don't like fastballs, curveballs, slowballs. I don't like any of them because I couldn't hit for shit. So, so when 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 curveballs get thrown at me, I just ask him to rethrow them. So, can you rephrase that question again? Yes. Let me give you a softball lob. How's that? That should be a little bit easier. Well, no, you can throw the curve in there. Just just. It'll be a curvy softball. It'll be a curvy softball. So, I guess the question, my question is, my question is, so so it's 
So according to this ruling, right, compliant uh, industrial hemp, by definition, industrial hemp-based um, crops and their derivatives and their their under their downline products are fall outside of the Controlled Substances Act. The finding was that the ruling that the Farm Bill had already preempted the Controlled Substances Act and identified hemp-derived products as outside of that Substances Act, which would include CBD derived from industrial hemp, correct? Under grown in compliance with the Farm Bill. and the hemp Correct. Bill. So so what about, my question is, what about uh, CBD that comes from the same cannabis plant, but that cannabis plant is, is defined federally as uh, over 0.3? So it's, it's essentially a state medical, uh, just, you know, California regulates and the state, Colorado regulates on the state side is marijuana. Essentially, CBD that comes from that type of a plant, is that also nationally legal or not legal? I, those plants are, still fall under the federal definition of marijuana and under the Federal uh, Controlled Substances Act are unlawful. So sometimes, to be clear, sometimes CBD can be of controlled substances Controlled substance federally, sometimes it could, it is not a controlled substance, all based upon what type of, what the definition of the original plant that it came from. Yeah, the, we, we refer to that as, as the source rule. If, it's, if, if you're sourcing from, you know, a compliant source, it, uh, and by compliant, we look at you know, grown under the auspices of a pilot uh, program or a research program at an institution of higher education. Um, then, then it's going to be lawful. If it's falling outside of those uh, that structure right now, then federally it would not per- be perceived as lawful. I refer to that as the bullshit rule. So essentially, they're saying oxygen from one place is different than oxygen from another place. It's the same oxygen molecule. But I understand a legal argument, and I appreciate your expertise in that. But it's still horseshit. CBD is CBD, and it's, it's completely legal and completely safe. That that's obviously my personal interpretation, which. The Ninth Circuit does not agree with, obviously. And and, and no. I'll, I'll leave you, Rick, with your interpretation, and fair enough. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Rick. And on that interpretation, which is different than Patrick's, which Patrick's is the legal, legal interpretation, we're going to go to this next segment from the Hemp Industry Daily, and that is the decision issued Monday by a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco means that hemp producers can only sell cannabidiol where it is allowed under state law. Is that true, false, or somewhere in between, or not a complete statement? Well, I would say that that that's truthful because um, state law is fully relevant. There are a number of states that have CBD-specific laws, and in those, you have to know what the laws are in that state. So, um, I, I think that that's a, a truthful statement, an accurate statement. Hang on, that, that, statement, was, that, that, statement, was, that statement was true prior to, prior to this ruling. So this ruling had no impact on that statement. That statement was the reality before, last week as, as much as it is today, correct? That's correct. Right. So when people say that or companies say, hey, our product is legal in all 50 states, CD is legal in all 50 states, and the argument's made for that, but then there's also these states that have laws that have been put in place or legislation that's come in in the last year where now CBD is what a schedule four or a five, like in what, Nebraska mm-hmm. or is it Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska? What is it? South Dakota, North Dakota, 
where the South Dakota, Nebraska, South Dakota, Indiana for a moment they got that fixed, but Nebraska and South they Dakota. They got that for sure. They're constantly in flux, but there there are a number of them out there that have these various limitations. But again, I, I don't know if you finished your question, but I'll just comment that again, um, it may be legal, but only under particular circumstances. Of course, that's that the state law and you know how it exactly fits in with federal laws in most cases has not been litigated if there's been a, if there's a conflict, but generally speaking, though that statement, while it may be accurate is, is somewhat misleading. Okay. So we're going to label that as maybe misleading because I was looking at, you know, of the 50 states, there's some states out there that probably really don't have a, a true set definition of whether this stuff is legal or not. And that just hasn't really become an issue. Well, in a lot of times you, you end up having the attorney general in those states issuing guidance and opinions and directions. Like we just got out of Wisconsin state mm-hmm. of Wisconsin issued last week, a uh, guidance that it was that attorney general's opinion. And they were taking a narrow scope view of the farm bill and following the, the, the so-called statement of principles. And they concluded that retail sales were not allowed because the only activity under the farm bill is research. And, and they're, they're, they're going along with CEA's misinterpretation of congressional intent. And that's unfor- unfortunate, but that's what's, you know, we're a big country and we're, we live under this federalist system and there are a lot of states and uh, you have the, you have folks in these states making uh, judgment calls and determinations, which end up leading to a legislative response that evolves the laws. So what everybody needs to understand is that the law is in flux, both in the 50, within the 50 states and at the federal level. And I actually believe there's another silver lining with this ruling, and that is that it's going to further inspire and motivate Congress to pass the Hemp Farming Act. We can we can look at the the negatives of uh, the ruling, but but I think there's also some positives that that can be taken from it. Sure, I think there's plenty of positives to be taken from all of this, and I think that the momentum from the industry is definitely going to keep things in our favor, and I don't think that we're going to go backwards. I think we're only going to go forward. But there's one more comment here, that, or one more little piece of text that I want to read, and let's determine if this is true, false, or somewhere in between. It also means that states that allow CBD, even if they don't allow the sale of high-THC marijuana, are violating federal law, the same as states that allow recreational cannabis. That is not accurate when when looking at it through the lens of working with hemp extracts that include CBD from Farm Bill compliant hemp. Okay, so we would say that that and, is not true. And Morris, I'd actually go so I'd go so far as I'm going to put a hashtag on that one. That one's just stop being dumb. That's just dumb. <laughs> For real. Come on. Okay. Who wrote that? I did. Well, I did. Uh, because you're, Patrick, you're, you're much more diplomatic than I am. I'm not diplomatic at all. But, yeah, that's just dumb. Sorry. We don't need to tell you who said it, but it's just, it's just dumb. You're good. Yeah. What would you like to add about this Ninth Circuit ruling that hasn't been said yet? Anything? I would, um, I would encourage folks to stay 
positive, to not get discouraged, to find the silver linings in there, as I've said, and to reach out to Congress. The reality is, while we may end up getting further clarifications or guidance from the courts, at at this stage, what we really need is Congress to act once and for all and remove industrial hemp fully from the Controlled Substances Act. Until that is done, we will continue to be engaged and in the middle in this kind of ping pong match between Congress and the federal agencies that are that have varying very different perspectives and views on what's allowed under uh, the Farm Bill's Hemp Amendment. So to move beyond that, if the courts are not going to fully clarify for us so that things are, are clear, then Congress needs to get off its butt and move on this issue, which it is. Excitingly, it is. Finally. I, I, I've, yeah, finally. I've seen, you know, I've been working on this issue for two decades, and we're seeing momentum like we've never seen before. Well, we saw it in 2014 with the passage of the Farm Bill. That said, I think uh, that was the first step. We need to we need to carry it over the finish line and have all these issues removed. So it clears up uh, issues at the border. I mean, right now at the border, there's all kinds of problems, both importing and exporting hemp. DEA has has uh, gotten um, direction to customs that any any extracts are are unlawful. It doesn't it doesn't it has concluded that uh, you can't get uh, extracts from the exempt parts of the plant. And until the Hemp Farming Act is adopted, we're going to continue to have the definition of marijuana apply on imports. So let's get a global definition of industrial hemp on the books and be done with the madness already. Let's get it done. Well, I I think that we're definitely getting closer to that. From what I've seen the last four or five years since the, you know, since things went live here in Colorado, with Amendment 64 and then Ryan Laughlin's crop and then the farm bill and then how things have come together through NOCO Hemp Expo, what Hoban Law Group has done, what the road trip has done, what the hemp roundtable is doing and HIA and Vote Hemp and now the Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance reaching across the border to work more closely with us and then the European Hemp Industries Association and what Hemp Today is doing out of Poland. And I just see more and more of these dots that are connecting and people communicating and everybody trying to to pull this together so we do have that global definition and this global industry can move together as a unified voice. I think it's coming. I really, I really think so. I think it really helps to have leadership on this, um, on both, in both parties. And, uh, you know, we may not agree, um, on other issues, but we can set those disagreements aside when we agree on hemp and when we agree on providing our farmers with a, uh, an additional viable cash crop 
and we provide our manufacturers of fully lawful material to work with that is providing nutrition, it is providing support to the to um, folks' well-being, and it's providing, most importantly, uh, a, an antidote to global climate change and a sustainable crop uh, for the planet. It, it just it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to keep it down. Otherwise, we understand um, the capitalistic interests involved, and to those we say, look, there is a large economy out there, and it has room for all of us. You know, we 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 do not exist in 1937, nor we do we exist in 1970. We, this is a new new day, a new era, and we, we can certainly distinguish between things that are helpful to both humans and the planet and things that are not helpful. And this is certainly one that's helpful. And it's been shown yeah, time and time again. I mean, you're right. This time to stop, the, stop using the words we used in 1937, stop using the, the, the division and divisiveness that, that the politicians and the government agencies are pushing upon us, and, and you're absolutely right. I think it's time for us to come together as a group. And when you talk about leadership, I want to say thank you to you personally and then to Hoban Law Group, obviously, for this last round of, of DEA uh, actions. But you've been fighting this fight on behalf of HIA and Vote Hemp and, and others for, for decades. And so I appreciate and we appreciate uh, your vigilance and your commitment to helping us move forward with this with this plan. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank thank you for that, Rick. And, and you know, Right back at you guys. I mean, I'm, I may have have been working on this issue for a long time, but I've seen um, people like you guys step in, you know, along the way, and, and you guys have been here for a while, and and help build that momentum. If it wasn't for efforts like yours and 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 those around us that. And, 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 and Bob Hoban and Garrett Graff and the folks within the Hoban Law Group and, and all my, uh, friends and brethren at, at, at HIA and Vote Hemp and all the different organizations. It, it, we wouldn't have the momentum that we have now if it wasn't for this cascading involvement and a- activism that, that's occurring. And, and it's just, it's, it's a joy to see the progress. It's, hard it's hard uh to receive the setback but yeah look you look i, I mean I, I i've gone through we went through three vetoes um of our legislation here in california and if anything that taught me is when it comes to hemp, you cannot get deterred from oh. a mere loss in a battle and in fact you know i mean people are really again coming back to the the ruling people are seeing this we were initially seeing this as as a loss, but in the scheme of things, I think it's partly you know I think it's almost a tie actually. It's a it's mere flesh wound. wound. It'll help galvanize. It'll yeah. help galvanize our, our community. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's going to be a win because it'll help we, us yeah, come we together. We just can't. We just can't. We can knock it down because of Correct. this ruling. We can only be galvanized and 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 uh, have our energy reinvigorated. We may have to take a breath, but you know. Doesn't take long to take a breath. Yeah, it's, it's actually involuntary, so I don't I don't have to worry about it. It just takes itself. 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm good. It's just, it does it for me. So I actually have nothing to do with it. So thank you. Um, whatever part of my brain that does the medulum that regulates that. Thank you. Which actually doesn't have cannabinoid receptors. That's why you can't overdose on cannabinoids. Little, little biofact from a non-doctor. Well, Patrick, thanks for jumping on the show with us. We appreciate it. And again, everything that you do and that you have done. And we will see you soon, I am sure, at one of these conferences. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk soon. And 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 thanks for having me. And you know, to Morris and Rick, you guys rock and keep on at it. Right on. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks again to Patrick Goggin for coming on Let's Talk Hemp in the 422 and sharing his insight on the recent Ninth Circuit Court ruling and how it impacts or doesn't what is currently happening within the industry. Like I said before, what it does do is reemphasize the fact that we need to pass federal legislation and the Hemp Farming Act of 2018 is something we all need to get behind. Call and email your federal representatives and let them know you support this legislation and it's time for Congress to finally undo one of the greatest agricultural and environmental mental crimes in the last 100 years. The time has come. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. And until next time, rock on. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.